0: Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at ArborBridge Um. So, good morning. My name's my name's Daryl. I'm, I'm the pastor here at Arbor Bridge. Super grateful to uh, to get to be with you this morning. Um, I I, uh, I wanted to just say out loud: super grateful to have my wife pray for me. Um, that's a blessing. Uh, statistics statistically, um, couples who pray together regularly, uh, the divorce rate for that those group of that group of people is insane. It's like you know less than one percent. Um, so, if you don't, if you are married, um, I would encourage you to pray together on a regular basis. Um, so, a couple—I just want to say a couple of quick things before I begin my message. Um, one, I'm, I'm starting a new series today called um, "Building a Better Future." Um, it's based on um, it's, it's based on some material by uh, Saddleback Church, Rick Warren's church. If those of you guys who've heard of him. Um, super great, super great, uh, super great ministry, lots of great things they do. So I'll, I'll be sharing that in just a minute. Um, I wanted to, to welcome you. If you're watching online you're a guest or you never, never uh, reached out to us before, I'd love for you to reach out to us. Um, at the bottom of any page of our website, you can, uh, let, let us know what you think of the service or let us know that you're watching. Um, if you're here with us in person, i super glad to have you here. Uh, there's, uh, And in many of the seats, there are these white cards that are like our guest cards. You can fill one of those out. We'd love to to know that you are here and get to know you. If you're a member of our church family, um, love for you to invest in her by giving online at arborbridgechurch.com forward slash give. And then finally, at the end of my message, I'm gonna we're gonna do something that that we call communion. Um, And it's a time during our worship service where we where we put intentional thought on. Uh, Christ's life, his death, and his resurrection, and our response to it. And so I uh, would love for you, if you're a Jesus follower, to participate in that, whether you're here or whether you're watching online. Um, if you're here with us in person, um, then there are some communion elements, uh, the grape juice and the little cracker that you can get in the lobby um, out there. You're welcome to get up and get that whenever you whenever you need to. So <clears throat> a, couple, a couple things I want to share with you. So some of you guys know that during this holiday season, um, we have uh, we've been doing what we call the, a big give. Basically, um, we are collecting, uh, investing money in the family of Tom Mann. Um, Ron Mann's son, Ron Mann and Teresa Mann are, are, are uh, uh, part of our church family. Um, Ron's, uh, their son died uh, earlier this month, um, leaving his family behind, uh, a wife and four kids. Um, so we thought that it might be appropriate for our church family to uh, give some money to that family during this time. Uh, we created a goal of $5,000 to help with that. Uh, so very generous. Um, thank you for doing that. If you haven't heard yet, uh, we were able to raise a little more than $10,000 for that family. Uh, yeah, super great. Very proud of you. Uh, lots of, lots of, lots of you guys gave, um, to make this happen. Um, people. And again, I tried to encourage you all along the way, you know, $20 or $10, whatever you had to give to help, to, to, to help help this family. And you guys, you guys did it. Um, super great, super sacrificial. Uh, thank you for all your generosity. So Ron and Teresa, uh, and their family created a, a letter that they wanted me to read to you guys. Um, so I'm going to do that now. Uh, <clears throat> Dear Arbor Bridge family, your extravagant generosity, born of your deep compassion, genuine kindness, and Christ-like love, means the world to us. Thank you for your exorbitant, exorbitant, give, big give, especially during these difficult times we are all enduring. Um, as uh, Proverbs twenty two twenty nine says, uh, "Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor." We pray blessings in each ab- in abundance for each. Each of you and your families, your gracious gesture in hosting Tom's celebration of life uh, service and dinner has encompassed our uh, profoundly sorrowful hearts and provided vast comfort to our souls. We are forever steeped in gratitude for the compassion and love you bestowed upon us. You've exemplified um, <clears throat> First Thessalonians five one. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. To Daryl, Chris, Roy. Carrie, Jared, Roya, Candy, Silver, Jonah, Sean, and Amy, and all who gave of their precious time bestowing such lavish love on us. <clears throat> we thank you immensely for both collaborating with us and honoring our beloved Tom with an eloquent, eloquently moving service and providing a bountifully phenomenal dinner. To our whole Arbor Ridge family, your love and continuing fervent prayers for Tom during his illness and beyond for Michelle, Greg, Sean, Andrew, Alexander, us, and our entire family has wrapped our hearts in comfort and peace that passes understanding. Thank you for d- your displayed love of being willing vessels of God exhibiting the hands and feet of Jesus in action. <clears throat> Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will, I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Isaiah 41.10. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. 1 Corinthians 7. Thank you beyond what words can convey for enduring with us during this devastating time. Much love, Ron and Teresa, with the family of Tom Mann. Uh, so yeah, I, sometimes, you know, as a part of a church family, you have opportunities to show who you are, show out and be like, this is, this is what we're about, or this is who we are. And certainly this is, this has been one of those moments for us. Good, good job. You should be, you should. Be so proud of acting and, and sacrificing this way to respond to this need. Um, that is, it, it is it is like a a dream of a pastor to think of his church responding in this way. For, uh, thank you. Um, like like Ron and Teresa have already said, words don't don't com- communicate. Uh, well, uh, how great you guys have been. So thank you so much for your generosity and your greatness and your Christ-likeness. That is, that is what this is about. That's what this is about. Um, and, and sometimes during times like this, like during COVID and things like this, we you, you start to think it's about social distancing and mask wearing and things like that. It's not about that. It's, 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 a, it's about how you respond with, with Jesus' love to situations like this. So great job. Great job. So I, I want to talk a little bit about, um, new year's resolutions. Um, every year about this time we start, we all, you know, Americans in general, maybe people all over the world make new year's resolutions about what they want to do or what they want to accomplish. Um, something about their life hasn't gone the way they think it should, or would they would they would have liked it to have gone. And so they start to you know, we start to make goals about how we want things to go in the future. Um, and I love goal making. I mean, it holds me accountable um, since, since New Year's resolutions are a kind of goal. So I, I'm about it. I, I like that. Um, this year, uh, I want to encourage us to include God in our goal making, in your New Year's resolution making, if, if you make those. Um, and if you don't make those, I'd like to encourage you to make one. Um, uh, I want us to ask the question, what, what are God's goals for me this year? Like what does God want to do in 2022 and me? Um, And and maybe, maybe, maybe they're the same thing. Maybe the thing you've been thinking of, and maybe the thing that God's thinking of are the same thing, but I I want you to think of it um, in that way. The truth is about me is I often make goals and I don't include God in my goal-making and that's silliness. Um, And and here's why, and here's why on my own, I'm not going to reach my goals. I'm not certainly not going to reach my best goals. Um, And and an an exercise company did a survey of like 80 million people and they, they reported that like 80 percent of us by this, the second week in February have given up given up on our on our New Year's resolutions. Um, and on my own, I'm not going to be the statistic like that. I'm going to be one of those 80 percent people who have given up or forgotten or don't focus on it. In addition to that, though, I won't choose the best goals for my life on my own. But if I include Christ in my goal making, I think things can go differently than they normally do. Um, and, and, and here's the here's the truth. Here's the truth. All of us, those of you guys who've been a part of church church world most of your lives, you know that you've seen people when you were a kid be in the exact same place spiritually that they were twenty years later. That can't happen. That can't happen. If you are a Jesus follower, that should never happen. One of the ways to stop that from happening is you know, each year you say, hey, you know, Father, what, what, what goals do you have? For, where, where am I supposed to be moving? Where can, I, where can I go with this? And so I'd love for you to go with me on this. And even if you don't do these kinds of things to try, to try. So in the first half of the Bible, um, God made a covenant with the nation of Israel. Um, Israel, uh, had this regular resolution every year of, 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 you know, f- keeping the covenant that God made with them. And God said, if you're faithful to me, I'll bless you. Uh, it'll be good. And when, when God said, said this, said this to the people, they said, of course we'll be faithful to you. And God said, well, what I mean by be faithful to me is keep my commands. Do what I say. So when Jesus was on earth, he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Israel would consistently make the resolution to keep God's commands. And in the second week in February, by that time they had failed. So. They would try to keep them for a while, but then we'll fall off the rails. So the next year they'd recommit to the, keeping that resolution again, and then they would fail. So this happened over and over and over again, hundreds for hundreds of years. And so one of the consequences God talked about is to, to Israel is like at the beginning of their relationship was, if you don't keep my commands, then eventually what's going to happen is you're going to lose this nation that I gave you. It's going to be destroyed. And of course, eventually, that's exactly what happened. And it's a super heartbreaking story. Um, if, if you read the Old Testament, it's very hard, it's sad. So the last part of Israel that existed before it was destroyed was called Judah, and the capital of Judah was Jerusalem. And it was dis- and it was destroyed, and lots of people were killed or taken as slaves. And it was incredibly, incredibly painful and humiliating. And we can hardly imagine what that's like for us. Like when we think about something like that, it's hard for us to. It's hard to hard to think what our our nation would, it feels like our nation would never be invaded. Um, they would never be destroyed. Um, they, we can hardly imagine what that would be like. So, so maybe it would be helpful for you to think of it like your, your, your best friend betrayed you or, or your, your spouse wants to divorce you against your will or, or, or you're getting dumped or your business fails or you flunk out of school or some, some huge public failure. That's clearly your fault. Um, uh, if you, can, if you can get in that brain space, maybe we can get a little bit of an idea of what these guys are going through. So, Even when that's our story, even, even when you failed terrifically, we're in a great, great place to create some really good goals. <laughs> when you failed terrifically, you were in a great place to create some really great goals. I think sometimes our best goals come out of failure. Our best goals come out of, I don't want that to happen anymore. How can I be better? Um, so in Jewish history, there's this man named Nehemiah that could teach us a little bit of things about setting goals and responding to tragedy. So I want us to look at his life today. So to begin, Nehemiah is a slave in the Persian kingdom, but he's got one of the best slave jobs that you could have. He interacts with the king a lot. I mean, he's in a palace when his brother comes to visit him, um, and it seems that his brother is one of the people who was either left behind in Jerusalem or when it was destroyed, or he's allowed to go back to Jerusalem after being a slave. And so either way, Nehemiah's brother shows up and he says this to him. He says, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Nehemiah says, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. And for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So if you if you feel as though um, you're facing some kind of trouble or some kind of disgrace, um, you are you know you you're you're in a position for goal setting. Um, if if you failed, you know you failed to lose weight, you failed to lose weight, or you failed to stop smoking, or you spent too much time working, or you sp- you didn't spend enough time with your family, or you spent too too much money in 2021, awesome. You're in a great place for setting goals for how to be better, for what you want to do next. So, Nehemiah's brothers described to him this failure of the walls of Jerusalem being broken down, which is hard for us to appreciate. Or, you know, you hear the walls breaking down, you're like, okay, well, what's the big deal about that? So, in the ancient world, he, here's what this means. It, it means you're, you're defenseless. It means you're vulnerable. Um, you're humiliated. Um, it, it was something that happened to cities who couldn't handle their business. So it, it would be like if the doors to your home were taken off. Or, or it would be like if you were, you were out shopping or you were out doing something, and when you came back home to your, to your home or your apartment or whatever, all your stuff had been set out on the curb um, and you've been evicted it 'd be super humiliating. it would be super you feel heartbroken and vulnerable it's, 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 that, it's that feeling that they have that, that when you failed like this, all is not lost everyone everyone's going to fail. but as Jesus' followers, I want us to make a habit of failing forward of, of when you fail, when we fail because we will to, to say i 'm going to take this." Terrible situation, and I'm going to say, how do how do I fail forward and move move towards where Christ would want me to be? Move towards something better. Um, take, use this as an opportunity to learn and be better. We're we're not held captive by our failures. That's that's what I want. That's what I want us to be about. Nehemiah teaches us how to do this. Now I'm, I'm going to share with you three things I want us to consider that Nehemiah does. So number one, first thing, he mourns. The loss. He mourns the failure. And let me say that um, Nehemiah, Nehemiah could have said, "You know, this is none of my business. I've got a I've got a good job. I'm am a slave in a comfort more comfortable place than many slaves." Um, but he's invested enough in the lives of his brothers that he takes this loss personal and and notice that he doesn't come up with you know goals off the cuff he doesn't get he doesn't go straight to work he pauses he sits down and he weeps and again this is this is one of the great things that you guys have done with the with the man family you know you 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 paused with them you could have went about your your december and said i've got my december stuff to do but you didn't that's that's greatness You pause, you sit down, you weep. And so, uh, and you guys, some of you guys know anything about Jewish people. You know, Jewish people are far, far, far better, especially ancient Jewish people at mourning than we are. Um, Often when a person close to them died, they they would take at least a week to do nothing but mourn. Nothing to, to mourn the loss. Can you imagine that? Okay, I'm going to clear my schedule for a week so that I can, I can be present for this loss. So in the Bible, a guy named Joseph um, takes a week to mourn the loss of his father. When the Israelite leader Moses dies, the people take 30 days to mourn and weep his loss. And again, it's not, it's not casual. It's in very intentional. They're like, okay, clear the schedule. This is what we're doing during this next 30 days. Um, there would be special shared meals. Um, often the people closest to you would clear their schedule and they'd come and stay with you in your home during that week. It's mind-boggling to think about something like that happening in, in, our, in our culture. There would be prayers and readings shared, but sometimes there wouldn't be anything shared. It would just be... I'm in the house with you during this, during this time frame. And, it's, and if you've been in that situation, you know it's super hard, you feel like you're wasting your time, but they knew they, they knew they weren't. They would just show up and be there. Take a break from the normal schedule to process your feelings or lack of feelings or whatever you're at. So in our culture, like our solution to loss is keeping busy or getting stuff done or eating or binging to, you know, TV, or just, to, just to, I'm going to escape from these feelings, which, you know, that works for a while, right? That works for a while, but it's not what God intends. When, when Jesus was on earth, he said this, which is super great. He says, happy are those who mourn, which doesn't, obviously, it's counterintuitive. Happy are those who mourn. God will comfort them. So instead of escaping, if you take time to mourn, you will be made happy by God's comfort. So, so, what have you lost in 2021? Where have you failed? Where do you need to grieve? Now, Nehemiah teaches us that we should pause to process the loss before, before I go on to, to, to trying to escape or trying to do my next thing. Pause with. What I've lost. Before I go on, I need to say this about escaping from our grief. Because we do, you know, this is, this is kind of what we do. When you escape from, you know, when you escape to work or sex or Netflix or alcohol or whatever, instead of mourning, um, you're putting yourself in a dangerous place. Uh, and clearly there's nothing wrong with taking a break or you want to you escape and go to the movies or whatever. Because life is hard, and knock yourself out. But... It, absolutely never in place of grieving. Never, never to avoid, you know, you don't do those things to avoid facing life. So when you transition to, to using something for your comfort other than Christ, know this. You become deeply tied to whatever you trust to comfort you when you are going through grief. You become deeply tied to whatever you trust to comfort you when you are going through grief. Which, maybe that doesn't sound like a big of a deal to you. Dangerous. And again, those of you guys who would call me your pastor, I would ask you to believe me on this subject, this topic. What you are really needing is the kind of comfort that only God can give. So what if we allowed him to to comfort us as we grieve our loss? What have you lost? What have you lost? Nehemiah and his people had lost their homes, their freedom, their dignity with the loss of this wall. So Nehemiah takes time to mourn and he spends time fasting. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days, I mourned and fasted. So, uh, you know, let's, let's uh, some real talk about fasting. I know that, that um, many of you are not about fasting. Um, when I, whenever I bring up fasting, you're like, as soon as I say those, you're like, I'm not doing that. Um, and you, that's cool. Let me say it like this, though. Let me say it like this. When I exercise, um, I have some exercises I just don't like to do. I like to, I like to avoid. So when I exercise with my daughter Silver, um, she always picks exercises I Um, hate—stretching exercises, exercises designed to help with balance and that kind of stuff. I'm like, let's do bench press or let's let's do something else. Let's let's not. I I don't eh." and. The problem is, the problem is this. If I only focus on exercises that I like, there will be areas of my body that won't have the functionality that I want. Because I, I, I want the functionality, I just don't want to do the exercises. The same is true in regards to spiritual disciplines. And here, okay, and, and maybe, it, I don't know if you're tracking with me. So, some of us have spiritual disciplines that we like to do and others that we don't like. And, you know let me, let me say it like this. Some of you all about praying, all about that spiritual discipline, you're all about it. Reading the word, you're like, "I'm not going to do that." <sighs> Clearly, if you pray and practice that spiritual discipline, but you don't practice reading the word you're going to be weaker than you would if you did both. If you're not intentional in those areas. If you like to read, but you refuse to fast, okay. Just know that you are skipping an exercise that would give you the strength to accomplish some of the things you want to do. So let, let, me, let me share a couple of new things about fasting that I'm learning that didn't occur to me before. So speaking through the prophet Joel, God said this to his people. He said this. He says, turn to me with all your heart. Turn to me with all your heart. Um, and he said this. Um, he said this after the after there was this, all this tragedy. God said this to people after they experienced a loss. So they're wondering, well, God, what should we do? He says, Turn to me with all your heart. And so that sounds really nice, but what does that mean? You know, what do you want, God? What do you want us to do? What do you want us to do? Turn to me with all your heart. How how should we do that? Guess how. It's not. It's not a trick. You've experienced loss, now here's what I want you to do. Turn to me with all your heart with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So, mourning, fasting. Super interesting, super interesting. Fasting, mourning and fasting is is a way that we turn our hearts toward God. It's a way that you prioritize your relationship with God. And it's not supposed to be focused as much as what you're giving up, as what you're focusing on. Often, often when I fast, I'm thinking about, oh my gosh, so what am I going to eat the day this thing is over? Look at what I'm giving up, as opposed to focusing more on God. And here's here's what we here's what we all know. Anyone, anyone, we all know this. Just because you're not eating doesn't mean you're fasting, right? Some of us, some of us can go forever without eating accidentally. Oh, because you're so busy at work, you just, you skipped lunch. That's not fasting. That's not fasting. Here, here, here's, here's what Joel was talking about. Fasting is an intentional decision to take some time to focus on God. Um, in the Bible, a guy named Daniel was beginning to understand some of the consequences the nation would face. And, and because of their disobedience to God, it's a super sad moment. It's, it's if he's facing some loss, so he says this, so I turned my attention to the Lord to seek him by prayers and petitions with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. So fasting is a way to focus ourselves on God. So my, my, the, the camera on my phone will autofocus for me. Like, I don't have to do anything to make it focus. And, and, and humans, we have autofocus too, right? We, we, we focus on the things that we worry about. We auto focus. No one has to tell us to worry about worry about these things. Worry about your kids are going to be safe, or worry about you are going to get you are going to get the job. No one has to tell us to focus on those things. We auto we auto focus on them, or we, we we worry we we worry or think or focus on things we can't control all the time. I focus all. I have friends who are doing things with their kids that I think they shouldn't do. Ooh, I got auto focus on that. Look at what you're doing. That I, you shouldn't do that. I got auto focus for that. I've got auto-focus on all the things that are not the best things. If we want to focus on those things, on the best things, we were more like the cameras that we had around when I was growing up, where you had to actually look through the camera, and then you would, you would do things to adjust the focus. You had to do it manually. You had to, to do something in order for the focus to happen. Fasting is a way for us to help with that because we auto focus on the wrong things. But if we pause, if we pause with mourning and fasting, mourning a loss, say, man, I wasn't what I wanted to be. I want to pause and focus. What could you fast from that would help you have more space to focus on the Lord? So in our culture, I'll say this, like I mean, fasting doesn't always have to be from food. Um, and then we said this before. Right. So those of you guys who are adamantly against fasting because it's food, don't it's not food. It don't have to be food. Let's have it not be food. Let's have it be something else. So you have no excuse. Fast from your device, fast from Netflix, fast, you know, fast, fast from whatever you want. God help us. Fast from football. Um, I'm going to be fasting from football from March to August this year. So <laughs> what could you fast from that would help you have more focus on the Lord? Mourn fast and the third thing pray um so have you ever prayed for god to show you what he wants to accomplish in you for the following year many of us pray have you ever prayed for god to show you what he wants to accomplish in you for the following year what does god want to do in 2022 We're, all, we're always about seeking, you know, about our plans and our goals and our things and the things, that, but Jesus says, seek my kingdom first. Seek my kingdom first. Uh, and, and let me say this, I don't, and this is not to be offensive to you in any way, um, there are qualitatively prayers that are better than other prayers, right? There are prayers like, God, give me... God, I want whatever, you're, whatever you, you, you pray about. Again, you can pray for those things. There's, there's no rules against that. And then there's, God, teach me to seek your kingdom first. I, I want these things, but teach me to seek your kingdom and he says, all these things will be added unto you but if you seek my kingdom first. See, it's and obviously, clearly, qualitatively, I can pray all these things and never seek his kingdom or I can pray, seek your kingdom first and then these things will be added. So qualitatively, and I'm not making fun of your prayers or saying your prayers are awful and you can pray however you want. I'm just telling you. Part of what it means is that when we are setting goals, we should ask, do any of my goals have anything to do with Jesus' kingdom?" And if not, I got to step back and do that first. And so in 2022, our church is going to have a focus on prayer. Um, we're, going to, we're going to learn some things about prayer together this year. Uh, and so I'd love for you to be prepping your mind to go along with us or be a part of it. And, and you know, to do, to do some of the things I'm going to ask you to do. To get us started, I, want to, I just want us to learn from Nehemiah's prayer that Montana read to us just a little bit ago. And if you feel like you don't know how you should pray or what you should pray, you can learn from Nehemiah's words. So listen to what he says. He says this. We'll walk through this together. Lord, you are the God of heaven. You are a great and wonderful God. You keep the covenant you made with those who love you. And who love you and obey your commandments. You show them your love. Please pay careful attention to my prayer. See how your people are suffering. Please listen to me. I'm praying to you day and night. I'm praying for the people of Israel. We Israelites have committed sins against you. All of us admit it. I and my family have also committed sins against you. We've done some very evil things. We haven't obeyed the commands, rules, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember what you told him. You said, if you people are not faithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me, I will bring you back. If you obey my commands, I will gather you together again. I will bring you back from the farthest places of the earth. I will bring you to the special place where I have chosen to put my name. Lord, they are your people. They serve you. You used your strength and your mighty hand to set them free from Egypt. Lord, please pay careful attention to my prayer. Listen to the prayers of all of us. We take delight in bringing honor to your name. Give me success today when I bring my request to King Artaxerxes. So, we can use this. This if you you know often we can make our prayers qualitatively better by learning from the prayers of folks in the Word. So again, this is this is another reason to read the Word. Um, the, we can learn from Nehemiah's prayer as a pattern for our own prayers. Um, and everyone can talk to God, but the, you know just I don't I don't want to I don't want to take away from you talking to God and like saying whatever you want to say. I want to add to that. I want to add to that. So Nehemiah teaches us three things. I want to share with you really quick about how we can pray. So first, he acknowledges who God is. Often, um, if you begin with this, God, you are great and wonderful God. Um, it, it, it's, it's a reminder that life's not just about me. Um, God, you are, you are above everything. God, you are strong and powerful. Um, to begin your prayers that way, to start that way, certainly, second, Nehemiah reminds, uh, remembers who he is. Uh, He admits, I'm a sinner. I don't know what's best for me. I depend on you for guidance. Uh, We could all benefit from having a moment where where we're confessing our sins in prayer. When I pray often, off the cuff, there's not a time where I'm just like, well, you know, I'm just going to confess my sins. It has to be super intentional say oh this is who i am this is what i'm about i don't know the best way on my own so i begin with god you are above everything you are the great and powerful god of the universe then i then i go to and i often screw this thing up i'm sorry Would you please forgive me for doing it yesterday? Again, what I'm going to do today, would you please forgive me for those things? And then third, and this is the hardest part for me, Nehemiah finds a promise. He finds a promise. He says, God, you remember when you promised? You said, you knew we were going to act up. You knew we were going to do the wrong things. You promised when we had these consequences, you would bring us back. You would take care of us. You, once, once we said, okay, we were wrong, we need to follow what God says, you promised to bring us back. That is so you don't forget. You know, you're know, you wallowing, I'm awful, I'm terrible. He's like, nope. that's not where you focus. You focus on the promise. God is great, I am not. God is great because he keeps his promises. Mourn, fast, pray. Maybe you feel. Maybe you feel like you haven't lost anything in the last couple years. I, I, I love to hear. Love to hear your story of how you haven't lost anything in the last couple years. But if you have, if you feel like maybe you've lost something, res- let's respond to that loss by saying, "Man, we could create some goals to be." Better. So, as we prepare to take communion today, I'd, I'd love, I love, love for you to consider the fact that Christ died to set you free from sin and make you a proper representative of His kingdom. You represent Him. That is, that's the chief goal of our lives as Jesus followers. So when you when we begin goal making, the chief goal of my life is to represent Christ here on earth. What, what goals? When you create goals, does, does any part of that reflect that chief goal? Love for you to pray during this time of communion and acknowledge who He is, His greatness from the beginning of the world to the cross. Acknowledge His greatness. And then acknowledge your sin. Say, man, I sometimes think my sin isn't a big deal, but when I focus on the cross, I'm reminded that my sin is a huge deal. And then your challenge is to find a promise. And maybe you already know one, but find a promise that you need for 2022. And love for you again. Mourn your loss. What can you fast from? And maybe use Nehemiah's prayer. Nehemiah chapter one. To pray this week. Seek him first and find out what he wants for this coming year. Let's pray together as we commit to doing that. Dear father, uh, there's certainly many goals that all of us have for our lives that include all kinds of things. We want our goals and your goals, those, we, we want them to be the same. You care for us. You care about you know, our, our financial goals and our, our, what kind of homes we have, and all the, the kind of goals that that we we want to we want to graduate, we we want to get these you know certain kinds of jobs. You care about those goals, but I pray that our goals would be in submission to our chief goal of representing you here on this earth. Um, I pray for this church that in 2022 we would live up to, we would all live up to the the, the picture, the vision that you have for this, this group of people. I'm so, so, so proud that during this month of December, our, our church has shown out, shown out, and it did so many things sacrificially for, for the man family. I pray that, that we would live lives consistently like that, that we would consistently represent you and your kingdom so beautifully. If there's something that we've lost, I pray that, pray that we would mourn that loss. I pray that we create space to fast so that uh, we can we can focus on you and not the things that we normally focus on so easily. And then teach us to pray. Teach us to pray the kinds of prayers that Nehemiah prayed, and that you you prayed when you were here on earth we love you in jesus name amen Mmm. Closing, we would sing Silent Night even though it is the morning and it's very just bright and sunny and gorgeous right now but I just thought this would be a really good moment to sing this together as we um, close out our service today